Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. It's straight out of Cobham, a show about Chelsea FC from The Athletic. Coming up on this episode, it's a Man City doubleheader special. Can the chaps come back from the Etihad with anything other than a humbling? Will the gals pull away in the race for the WSL title? More importantly, will Liam salvage some respectability in the quiz? All these questions and more will be attempted to be answered. Available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad-free on The Athletic. This is Straight Out of Cobham. Right, it's me, Matt. I'm here with Liam Toomey and Luke Bosher from The Athletic for our second show of the week. How are you doing, Liam? Yeah, I'm good. I'm readying for my annual misery trip to the Etihad Stadium. <laughs> I thought you were going to say your weekly misery in the quiz, but yeah, who knows? Maybe this is your day. Luke, how are you doing? Feeling confident for later? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, I'm, I feel like the Man City to Liam's Chelsea in this kind of scenario. <laughs> you know, how worried am I? Wow, it's a uh, big talk. Fear it might be more like Chelsea Preston FA Cup early round tie. <laughs> Frustrating for 60 minutes and then pull away. Uh, we shall see. Uh, hopefully it won't be a 60 minute long quiz. You never know. Uh, some pre-match premature adjudications. We took to X, formerly known as Twitter, as Luke would say, to get yours. Regista says, so we wanted to know what's going to happen in the two games against Man City this weekend. Regista says, a non-humiliating result for the men and a win for the women. Marcel, feeling a bit more positive, says 2-1 for the women, 3-2 for the men. I like this one from David, who says, we play really well, brackets comparatively, don't take chances, and Haaland scores two quick goals. 2-0 loss, but moral victory. And finally, Enoch says the women will be a tight game. City really need to win while a draw is okay for our team. City in great form. Chelsea could only scramble a draw against nine at City. Pray for a scrappy 2-1 highlighted by something filthy from LJ. The men will get tonked. Uh, Liam, do you have a premature adjudication slash prediction for me? I think there will be fewer goals across both of these games than there were in the first men's meeting between Chelsea and Manchester City at Stamford Bridge. So that that would I'm setting eight as the, the over-under target here. Okay, I think that's probably reasonable. Luke, what you got for me? Uh, I'm going to be perhaps uncharacteristically pessimistic. I think it's going to be two close defeats from the teams. And I think many, maybe upwards of three Chelsea men's players will be booked for dissent. <laughs> yeah, that's nailed on, isn't it? Uh, mine was that both the men's and women's teams will not lose to Man City this weekend. So I'm feeling positive. Let's get into that big game at the Etihad next then. Saturday tea time for those of us here in the UK is when it goes down in Manchester. The it, in this case, being Manchester City versus Chelsea in the Premier League, formerly known as the Carling Premiership. Uh, back-to-back away wins for Chelsea then. Uh, what's the approach going to be in this game, Luke, do you think? Is it foolish for Chelsea to try and get on the front foot? Is it better to sit off or does that just delay the inevitable? I think we've kind of seen from Chelsea under Mauricio Pochettino that 
they're not a team that's necessarily going to adapt too much game to game. It doesn't strike me so far as being, you know, Pochettino hasn't really been like horses for courses uh, in terms of his team selection and style. And that's kind of worked up until the Liverpool game a couple of weeks ago. That had kind of worked against the bigger teams so in England, you know, the earlier Liverpool game, the earlier City game, the Tottenham game, Arsenal game, you know, some credible certainly performances, if not results, are slightly lacking. So I, I think Chelsea will go for it, be on the front foot and hope that they can sort of repeat as close to the previous meeting uh, as they can. Well, the good news is that City don't come into this in great form. Just the 11 wins in a row in all competitions uh, for Pep's peeps as it stands. Uh, in terms of the Chelsea team, Liam, Thiago Silva presumably not going to be fit for this. So so we're going to go to a, a back four of Gusto, Dizazi, Colwell and Chilwell, presumably. Any other changes that you might be making? Obviously, Madweke got hooked at halftime on Monday. So I guess uh, he'll be fearing for his place. I think the forward positions are where Pochettino's most interesting decisions lie. Where do you use Cole Palmer? Do you start him as that pressing false nine again and try and weaponize the the Conor Gallagher Cole Palmer two man press to to make City uncomfortable in their build up or do you do something a bit more similar to what you did against City at Stamford Bridge where you had Sterling off the left Palmer off the right with Nicholas Jackson there to really offer a threat in behind and try and stretch the game and, and make City pay for how high they play up the pitch when they have the ball. I don't know what the right answer is. <laughs> and you also have, of course, the the spectre of Christopher Nkunku because he is a very good player. <laughs> He's just not been fit for long enough, really, for, for Chelsea to work out maybe the best way to fit both him and... Cole Palmer into the same attacking structure. My worry about Chelsea trying to do the same as they did against City at Stamford Bridge is I think it was a very different City then. They were a lot less capable of controlling games. They made a lot more mistakes. I rem that was my main City takeaway from that match was that Chelsea played brilliantly, but they... They played brilliantly, exploiting more mistakes than I can remember seeing from a Guardiola team. And they're just not making those at the moment. The battle station is fully operational at this point. Erling Haaland's back, Kevin De Bruyne's back. I think their only significant injury is Jack Grealish. That's not that significant, is it, at the moment? So, Well, with the other options they have, as good a player though he is, it's really intimidating I think and when you've seen that Chelsea have not been the most resilient team away from home this season in some of these bigger games if they make mistakes early on I think City could punish them pretty ruthlessly and, and it could end up being the kind of game we've seen at the Etihad several times in the in the last few years but yeah tactically I think the defence the defensive half of the team in the midfield kind of picks itself in terms of what we've seen recently. But what Pochettino does in the attacking positions will help determine, I think, the way the game goes. Massive game, obviously, 
or Cole Palmer. Where would you put him in, Luke? Obviously, he's a, he's a starter. That That's one thing that we do know. He'll, he'll have extra special motivation. But we saw in the first half at Palace, didn't we, that, that the problems for him when he's in that false nine position, namely that he barely touches the ball. Yeah, I think for me, given how City are likely to play, I'd put him on the right wing. Because, you know, the way City like to play with that kind of, you know, three at the back when they're kind of on the ball, I think it means Palmer won't necessarily, hopefully, have too much defending or certainly man-to-man marking to do when Chelsea don't have possession of the ball. Because Nathan Ake, I think, is likely to line up as their left-sided centre-back. And he... He'll be involved in the build-up probably, but he won't be, you know, bombing forward, overlapping too much. And you'd hope that Malo Gusto can try and contain Jeremy Doku, who's likely to line up on City's left-hand side as much as possible. And it, it will be really interesting to see how Palmer reacts to being back at the Etihad. I mean, we've we've kind of got a sense of it from how he takes his penalties. Some of them have been really high-pressure penalties that he, he doesn't seem like the sort of player that would let, you know, an occasion something like that phase him. And I, I fully expect the Etihad to be absolutely rocking. You know, 5.30 on a Saturday night. I think the Etihad's atmosphere for big games is often underrated. I, I've I've seen some really, really healthy atmospheres there. Um, and I think this will be this will be no different. So it'll be not only him, Palmer, I think it'll be interesting to see how the whole Chelsea team reacts to to that kind of negative atmosphere towards them and certainly the City the way they like to play as you kind of mentioned there with Liam like if City press Chelsea early on and they force them into a couple of mistakes you, you, you're you really looking for them not to crumble Liam in a way you feel like those those wins at, at Villa and Palace have, have eased the pressure somewhat certainly on Maurizio Pochettino but on Chelsea as a whole but I guess the mitigation for that in this game is that you can't say well it's a free hit going to Manchester City we might lose 4-0 again the week before you're playing a cup final yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of people, including a lot of Chelsea fans, are not delusional enough to think or to expect Chelsea to go to the Etihad and harbour serious ambitions of winning. I mean, they there's a world in which they could win, of course, but it's very likely, given that City are chasing a title, the way they're playing, that this this is three points for Manchester City. But it matters hugely if they're going to lose it matters hugely how they lose because if they if they get just completely swept off the pitch and the final scoreline and the dynamic of the game is just so emphatic that it's completely non-competitive i think that could be really damaging for this team gearing up for a cup final against another team in liverpool that is capable of doing that to you albeit in a slightly different way, and has done that to Chelsea in the last few weeks. So I think it's really important for their confidence, not that they win, not even necessarily that they draw, but if they're if they're competitive and feel like they're in the game, even in a loss, I think they can preserve the kind of fragile confidence that they might have built up in the last couple of games from that Aston Villa performance. That. The the key is the performance, I think, here rather than the result because, you know, City are City. They're the best team in the world. They're playing like it right now. Chelsea have to think more about themselves and it's more about making sure their own line continues to trend upwards regardless of how many points they leave with. And that leads me nicely on to my final question. I'll put it to you, Luke. Are you feeling more optimistic now about Chelsea's season than you were after the 4-4 draw when these two met back in November. 
I mean, I can barely remember how I was feeling on Monday, let alone <laughs> a couple of months ago. But I said, <laughs> it's, a, it's a great question, and I'm you know kind of taking some time to think about it. Um, I think I think I am. Yeah, I think I am because I think I'm feeling more positive because I'm not feeling negative. If that makes sense, I think you know the trend that Chelsea have been on, although they've been bumps along the way, certainly in terms of performance, is just about trending upwards. And I think if that is the case. You know, with any football club, I think you have to be feeling positive. And we'll see how it all shakes out at the end of the season. And obviously, the next week, you know, 10 days for Chelsea is huge with the City game and, and the Liverpool final on the horizon. But I think overall, yeah, I am feeling more positive. Right. I'll ask you again next week uh, once this game <laughs> is out of the way. Chelsea have lost on their last four visits to the Etihad without scoring a goal. So hopefully that upward trend can continue to some extent. All right, we're going to preview the women's team's game next. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. A massive game in the WSL title race on Friday night at Kings Meadow, then where Chelsea take on Manchester City. We need a CFCW expert for this one, such is the size of the game. Good job then. We've got Jesse Parker Humphreys on speed dial. Uh, Jesse, set the scene for this one. Am I, am I bigging it up too much to call it a title decider? I don't think I'd go title decider quite yet, but I do think it's a game that if Chelsea win, they will feel in quite a comfortable position. It would put them six points ahead of both City and Arsenal at that point. Whereas obviously, if they lose, suddenly everything becomes a lot more closer. I don't think either way there won't be more twists to come in the title race. But yeah, it is it is a big game. And Chelsea, I think, will feel both confident and a little bit of pressure because I think on the one hand, their, their record at Kings Meadow is fantastic. I don't think City have ever beaten them there in the WSL. I think the last time they beat them at home in the league, Chelsea was still playing in Staines, which tells you how long ago it was. But at the same time, I think there's probably a feeling that Chelsea have yet to fully convince in any of their games against big sides so far this year. Obviously, big win against United at the bridge, but I think we're asterisking whether United count as a big side this season. Um, but both away at City and away at Arsenal, they they did struggle at points in the game. So I think there's pressure on them to, to show that there's a reason why they're favourites for the title right now. Got to play better than they did against Palace last week as well, right? That was a tough watch. How how significant was the fact that Lauren James pulled out in the warm-up in that one? Yeah, I mean, it sounded like it was just sort of a shoulder issue and she was sort of seen on the pitch as well at half-time. So fingers crossed it was more of a precautionary thing. I think people were surprised to see Chelsea go with as strong a lineup as they did in, in the game against Palace, which... 
I don't know whether it's better or worse that they needed that stronger lineup to get past them. Uh, but I think also showing how important Hayes feels at this point in the season that players have minutes in their legs. Obviously, players also wanting to build those relationships with Myra Ramirez, who scored that fantastic backheel goal that got Chelsea the win. But yeah, it's been a bit of a weird couple of weeks in some ways for Chelsea because they've had their last two games have been against championship opposition. They beat Sunderland in the Continental Cup before beating Palace in that FA Cup game, which makes them going to play Manchester City, who are, you know, probably aside from Chelsea, the best team in the league right now, quite a, a different jump in sort of expectation. So incongruous, isn't it? Beat Sunderland in the Continental Cup just sounds all wrong, um, but we love the Conti Cup. Uh, City on a 10-match winning streak in all comps. They haven't conceded a goal in their last four. The biggest threats for them, still the kind of front three, front four for them, Chloe Kelly, Bunny Shaw and, and my favourite non-Chelsea player, Lauren Hemp. They're the people to watch in this game, I guess. Yeah, they're a fantastic front three. I think one thing that'll be interesting to keep an eye on is that Bunny Shaw's had a calf strain. So she came off sort of around the 65, 70 minute mark in their match against Arsenal in the FA Cup. Gareth Taylor implied that she's fit to start, but it'll be interesting to see how long exactly she can do, given she's been carrying that injury for a while. The other player that I think will be interesting to keep an eye on is Yui Hasegawa. She goes sort of under the radar for Manchester City, but came in and filled that DM role that Kira Walsh vacated a couple of years ago when she left to Barcelona and is absolutely fantastic in it and I was at the Arsenal City game at the weekend and watching her just like body Alessia Russo off the ball despite being about half her size was just she's such a great player to watch so talented on the ball and it'll be really interesting to see how exactly Emma Hayes chooses to try and negate her ability because obviously normally we see LJ playing that number 10 role but I guess, you know, there might be a little bit of question mark. Is LJ trusted to do that level of sort of off the ball work that's going to stop Hasegawa getting on the ball and having time on the ball? Is LJ fit enough even to do that at all? Or is it, you know, a game for someone like Frank Herbie, who's maybe got a bit more of um, a wise head on her shoulder and is, and is ready to be a bit more disciplined in that position? A couple of questions on the team. Uh, is Millie Bright anywhere near being fit again? And is Hannah Hampton now Chelsea's first choice goalie? On Millie Bright, I don't really know. Everyone's very unclear. Normally, I find with Chelsea injuries, the person to actually ask if they're English is not Emma Hayes, it's Serena Wiegmann, because she always gives much more straightforward answers. And she said when she announced the England squad that she did hope that Millie might be potentially back with it for the April camp. Uh, I think the last update from Hayes was that, you know, Bright's not even like on grass yet. Um, so it feels like that might be still like quite a while away. And given sort of the vagueness around what's actually up with her knee, uh, that makes it also very hard, I think, to put a timeline on it from the outside. And it seems like maybe the club are struggling with that as well. In terms of Hampton, I mean, right now, yeah, she obviously is. The funny thing with Chelsea goalkeepers, though, is they're number one for four weeks and then you blink and someone else's because there's so many of them. Um, I think Hampton obviously hasn't really put a foot wrong so far and she's she's been very impressive but if she starts against City it will easily be the biggest game she's played for Chelsea and she's likely to face a lot more shots than she has in some of the other games she's been in goal but yeah definitely I think you know for Hampton the attraction for Hayes clearly is her ability on the ball and I think we know City are a team who will like to press high that front three like you referred to will want to put Chelsea under pressure and we've seen Anne Katrin Berger in particular struggle for example in games where that pressure has been put on her. So I think Hampton, you know, will continue to be the natural choice for this match. Um, I've still got my reservations about her shot-stopping ability. So I guess we'll have to see what she looks like when she faces a few more shots. 
Before we let you go, uh, The Athletic reporting today, Thursday, that Chelsea have offered a contract to Leon head coach Sonia Bompastel to replace Emma Hayes at the end of the season. Um, should she agree to that and it go through? Would that be a, a decent appointment in your opinion? It's not someone I personally would have gone for, but hey, there's a reason I'm not running Chelsea's managerial process. So um, I think Bompastor will be a familiar managerial archetype to people across the men's and women's game. She's very much in that mould of uh, incredibly successful player who goes into her club's academy, works her way up and eventually takes their first team role. And she was seen as being very impressive in her first season at Lyon. She won them the Champions League um, in, you know, very much a mould of, uh, Leon's demise has been greatly exaggerated. They beat Barcelona in that final and it was a great game. I think since then, however, there's a feeling that maybe Leon have struggled to look as tactically interesting as they could with the players available. I also have some concerns around her ability to develop youth and bring younger players in. She has obviously worked in Leon's academy, so maybe that's the tick there in, in her favour. But Leon have a, a lot of talented younger players like Alison Bath, Vicky Besho, who don't really get a huge amount of game time in favour of, of older players. And for example, Melvin Mallard, who was kind of one of the stars when Bompastor first took over the role, is now on loan at Manchester United to kind of give you an idea of where some of those players have gone. And I think realistically, given where Chelsea's squad is, they probably need someone who's maybe a bit more prepared to bring those players through. I think she's obviously an attractive name from the outside because she is a big name. And there is a sense that Chelsea have looked for someone who is a name rather than wanting to maybe take a risk on someone who's more unknown. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I think also there seems to be some confusion over whether Chelsea are wedded to getting a female manager or not. It was reported that the players had asked for it, but it's also been said by other people within the club that that wasn't the case. And Chelsea have also been linked to male managers on and off. So, yeah, I think it's a bit confusing because obviously she wasn't part of that original three-name shortlist that came out. Um, and it's kind of unclear how the club have sort of ended up with Bompastor, but... It will be interesting to see how it plays out because whoever takes it, it's big shoes to fill. Massive shoes to fill. Uh, Jesse, magnificent as ever. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Elsewhere in Chelsea news, the under-18s followed the under-21s lead by winning away at West Ham. Hassan Suleiman's team won a 3-2 thriller at Rush Green on Tuesday. Reese Russell-Denny scored twice. Frankie Runham also on target. It means they're six points behind West Ham who topped the table, but Chelsea have three games in hand, the under-18 Premier League split into two regional divisions at the end of the season. The champions in the north and south play each other to determine who is the national champion. And they go to Tottenham in their next league game Saturday morning at 11. Join me for that on the Chelsea app if you like. Under-21s in action tonight as we record. They host PSV in the quarterfinals of the Premier League International Cup. That's at Stamford Bridge. First time in a couple of years the under-21s have played there. Uh, some other news which is breaking on Thursday, the Athletics' David Ornstein tweeting, Chelsea set to appoint Josh Marsh as loans manager. Recruitment of Swansea head of football operations led by Chelsea sporting directors win Stanley Stewart alongside loan player technical coach Kudicini. Um Liam, this is one for you then. You get a lot of questions about win Stanley and Stewart and what they're doing. Here's another thing that they've added to their, uh, their intro. Well, this was in our piece about win Stanley and Stewart, not the specifics of names, but the fact that Far from considering their futures, Chelsea were planning to make more sporting hires in the next few weeks to report into them and to, to 
continue to build out their team across recruitment, across loans, across scouting and, and data. So this is part of that process and I, I expect more to follow. Maybe like Sam Jewell, Sam Wallace at the Telegraph saying Chelsea going to approach Brighton's head of recruitment for the second time in 14 months. Uh, they're making sure they've got all their bases covered, basically, aren't they? If you, if you want a job in middle management on the sporting side at Chelsea, now's the time to get in. Well, I'm, I'm also a bit worried that Chelsea are a couple of steps away from making a, an approach to Andy Naylor to be Chelsea's new <laughs> beat writer for The Athletic because it feels like everyone... Brighton or Brighton adjacent is fair game at this point. Well, the best place to keep across all this kind of stuff is, of course, the athletic at athletic.com slash Chelsea pod, the place to go to sign up if you aren't currently a subscriber. All right, it's a rematch in the quiz next. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I say it's a rematch. I'm looking down at my notepad and uh, I've got the scores listed from last week. So let's just uh, let's just assume that that was the case. This is going to be a really good day for you, Liam. I feel positive about it. Wasn't my last loss against Dom? Or did you actually officially note that down as Simon because it went on his record? Oh uh, yeah, Liam Dom on the other page. Either way, it doesn't make good reading for you. You can't see it listening. I'll just hold up my notepad here, but there's a lot of... Liam and not many ticks next to your name. But this is the day that it all changes, believe me. Here's question one. It's for you, Liam. Who scored Chelsea's four goals in the reverse fixture between Chelsea and City in November? So I want each goal scorer, please. Uh, Cole Palmer scored a penalty. Correct. Sterling scored a tap-in. Nicholas Jackson got one. Yes, and oh, let me just think. The other one. Um, it'll come to me. It will come to me. I watched the highlights of this game a couple of days ago. Okay, well, let me give you a little clue just because of your current form. It's the same goal as all the other goals he's ever scored for Chelsea, basically. Um. Oh, Thiago Silva near post header. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it is. Sorry, time. Luke. I hope you don't mind that, Luke, but you know. I would have got it. It just would have been bad podcast <laughs> listening, but I would have got it. 
Lucy has to work very hard to clean up these quizzes in the edit. I think we can all appreciate that. Uh, Luke, therefore, logically, your question is, who scored City's goals in the reverse meeting in November? Um, okay. I'm pretty sure... I think Haaland got two. That is correct. Haaland got two. Okay. That makes it easier. Uh, I... Pretty sure because they scored one quite late. I think was Rodri scored late, right? The Rodri goal. That I is think. right. One more to go. And then oh, remember. I think this one was like right at the end of the first half. The one you're missing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I th- oh, I think it's between two. It's between two people. Because I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it's between two. I th- Do I get any clues? Uh, I just gave you it. It was just before half time. Okay. <laughs> a long time since I've seen you rub your temples like you did there, Luke. So that makes me think it's a good question. Again, to go back to my previous point, I can barely remember what happened on Monday, <laughs> let alone in this game. I think it was. I think. I think it was a defender, basically. So I think it was. I think. I think it was basically Diaz or a Kanji. Um, I'll go with. I'll go with a Kanji. Oh, he teased you, Liam, that he was going to get it wrong, but he didn't. It was Manuel Akanji. Very good, Luke. You knew that all along, I'm sure. Um, Liam, question number two. Against which two teams has Cole Palmer scored against for Manchester City this season? Uh, just before he left. Mm. So he scored in the Community Shield against Arsenal. Correct. And didn't he, was it Sevilla in the Super Cup? It was Sevilla in the Super Cup. Well done. Uh, question number two for you, Luke. It's 2-1 to Liam. Which former City player scored against his old club in Chelsea's 3-1 win at the Etihad in 2008? 2008. Mm, so, a former City player who was playing for Chelsea and scored. I feel like... This, I... Um, Scored for Chelsea. Yep. 3-1 Chelsea win. Whatever you do, don't tell us how old you were in 2008. Okay. So he was... he At this stage, he was an ex-City player. That's right. Is that right? Okay. I think so. If it's who I think it is, I think so. That's a bit of pressure on you again, Luke. Uh... Can confirm it is right for you. The thing is, Luke gets to the right answer in a far more entertaining way than I do because <laughs> mine's completely silent, whereas he soundtracks his... He shows his working. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I don't think it's... I don't know. I mean, I'm going to go with... I'll go with Sean Wright Phillips because of the timeline. Ooh, steal it from him, Liam. No, that would have been mine. Oh, wow. Okay, you're both wrong. So it's Nicholas it and Elka. <laughs> oh. uh, okay. The right. thing is, you don't think of Anelka as a former City no. player. You just think yeah, yeah. of him as former uh, everyone player. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think of him more, much more as a former Arsenal player. Yeah, like only sixty-five league games for Arsenal: PSG, Arsenal, Real Madrid, PSG, Liverpool, Loan, Man City, Fenerbahce, Bolton, Chelsea, Shanghai, Shenhua, Juventus, Loan, West Brom, Mumbai City. Um, it's a storied career. How many games did he play for a City? Uh, in the league. Thanks to my old friend Wikipedia, 89. It's called 37 goals. Crikey. Good record. Anyway, nice. this is nice. 
crazy. Not a quiz I question. shouldn't have been so quick to say that was mine. I could have had a shot. <laughs> think about a steal there. It's, I've been in this position so yeah. infrequently, Matt, that my strategy is out the window. It's 2-1. This is your final question of normal time. Which two players scored three and four goals against Chelsea for City last season? So in all those meetings, four of them in total, somebody scored three times, somebody else scored four times. Hang on, what? What Across the games? Yeah, so in the four yeah, I was games. Thinking, no one scored yeah, four no, times no. in a game. <laughs> Cumulatively. Not since, not since the days of Sergio Aguero. Um, <laughs> Okay, so so they played them in both cups, didn't they, and twice in the league. Uh, yeah. I mean, Haaland's a safe bet to be one of them, surely. I'm afraid not. You can have two more guesses. Well, Al Alvarez. Alvarez is one. I remember Alvarez scoring. Um, three and four goals, respectively. So Alvarez got three. This other chap got four. One nil in the league at the Etihad. One nil in the league at Stamford Bridge. Two nil in the League Cup, and four nil in the FA Cup. I'm just trying to remember the the league games. I don't think De Bruyne scored that many times. Um, I'm going to say Foden. Luke. Can you pinch it? I'm pretty sure it's a sneaky one because he doesn't play for City anymore. But, I mean, just because I remember him scoring like a couple of goals in a game, I think it's Mares. It was Riyad Mares scored four times. Um, Lucy, do you give Luke half a point for that? Yeah, because he only got one of them. Judge says half a point. I don't remember him scoring that many times against Chelsea last season. I know I didn't either. Um, it's a really good question from me that. I suppose across four games, it's maybe not. Mm. Mm, that's surprising. All right, so that means that it is two to Liam, one and a half to Luke. So if you get this right, Luke, you've won. Excluding Loneys, who's the only player left at Chelsea who featured in the Blues' last win at the Etihad in May 2021? So I'm not looking for Kepa or Hakim Ziyech or anyone else who might be on loan. I'm talking about anybody who is currently a Chelsea player. There's one of them. And that win in May 2021, just before the Champions yeah. League final. I mean, I think, in full honesty, I think you've asked me a similar question before when Chelsea have played someone. And I think it's the same, same it must be the same person as Reese James. It is Reese James. Yeah, you're right. Uh, not as good a question as I thought. Uh, you were so close. Liam, do you want to have a listen to the uh, the tiebreaker and have a pop of that anyway? Yeah, good, okay. From his 228 <laughs> nine Premier League matches in charge of Man City, how many wins does Pep Guardiola have? Sorry, how many games? 289. Just a bit of fun. Am I allowed to play? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you can play, but we're not, we're not going fully. You've got to text me your answer because it's sort of irrelevant because you already won Luke. So just, just shout out your answer. Is this just league games? Yeah, 289 Premier League games. How many has Pep won? I mean, since the first season, his points tallies have been insane. I'll let Liam guess I'm first. Say, let me guess. Well, I'm going to use a calculator to determine 70% of 289 because I think his win percentage is about 70%, I would say. I'm going to say 200. Luke? 
I would have gone slightly higher. I would have gone like two fifteen. <laughs> it's not fair putting you up against Luke every week. It's two hundred and thirteen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's just kind of luck, isn't it? Really. <laughs> Don't be bashful. It's a terrific guess, and well done, um, Liam. It was a valiant effort. Maybe next week. Maybe, probably not. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe next week I won't be on Thursday. Well, yeah, I mean, you'll have to speak to Lucy about that. Uh, before we go, Liam, tell us a bit about Conor Gallagher and whether he really is priceless and whether Chelsea should be giving him a new contract because that is your big piece up on The Athletic now. Yeah, Pochettino's description of him as priceless felt pointed. I don't know whether it was or, or not, but it was, a, it, it was a very opportune choice of word given that he's been anything but priceless in the eyes of Chelsea over the past year or so. It's been very clear to everyone that 50 million could get him out of Stamford Bridge. That offer in one form or another hasn't been forthcoming yet. And the gist of my piece for The Athletic was, has he actually put Chelsea in a really awkward position now for this summer? Spoiler, the answer is yes. Um, With how well he's played, because it, it is abundantly clear based on what we've heard, but also based on Chelsea's actions that they did not expect Conor Gallagher to be this important or this good this season. That's why they spent 300 million pounds on their midfield in 2023 on their central midfield, um, because they weren't planning for Conor Gallagher to be a key cog moving forward, but he has been, um, he's second in minutes, across all competitions to Axel de Zassi, I'd, I'd say, I mean, it's always a debate, but I'd say him and Cole Palmer are the two front runners for player of the year. And, you know, he's been captain on the pitch for a long stretch while Ben Chilwell and Rhys James have been out. And, and Pochettino significantly has taken every possible opportunity to talk him up and praise him massively. Um, it, it really feels like he is doing all that he can within his power as head coach to convince the powers that be at Chelsea that, that Conor Gallagher should get a new contract and be allowed to stay in. And everything we've been told has not changed. He wants to be a Chelsea player for the long term. That is his preference. He doesn't want to leave. But it's it's getting to a point now where this summer will be, the choice will become binary. Either you renew him or you have to sell. And he will have a lot of control over the process either way, because if if you renew him, he's got a very strong hand in terms of leverage because this this will be have been the best season of his career. He'll be going to the Euros with England almost certainly. And and he'll he'll be able to ask for a salary commensurate with that. And if you sell him, his preference for where he goes will dictate the process and maybe dictate the price. So Chelsea are in a difficult position and that's what that piece was about. What do you reckon, Luke? Are they going to sign him up or sell him this summer? <laughs> uh, if only I knew, Matt. If only I knew. I think, I mean, from from more of a, a fan perspective and also, you know, kind of looking at, you know, what's happening on the pitch, it would appear to make more sense to keep Conor Gallagher because Poch loves him and he's playing well. And then, you know, if you're looking to create that pure profit, maybe sell other assets like Armando Breuer, Trevor Chalabar, Ian Martson, 
and go down that route instead. But really, it may end up being a buyer's market more than a seller's market if Chelsea have found out in recent transfer windows. So the higher-ups may not get the luxury of, of necessarily deciding which players they want to sell and which players they want to keep when, you know, we've we've heard before last year about this June 30th PSR deadline for for the Premier League. All right. Well, look, it's something that's a hot topic and it's probably going to be for the rest of the season. Athletic, the best place to go to stay up to date with it. Athletic.com slash Chelsea pod, the place to go to sign up if you aren't currently a subscriber. You can follow us on Twitter or X, whatever your preference is, at SO Cobham Pod. Leave us a nice review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. That'll help us out too. And we will be back on Monday analysing those two incredible results against Manchester City and plenty more besides. Join us for that if you can. Until then, thanks to Luke, to Liam, to Jesse and to Lucy and to you. Bye for now. The Athletic.